Welcome to Story Shaped, the podcast about the stories that shape us and have the power to change the world. I'm Susan Cahill, debut children's author, and my co-host is the seasoned and wonderful children's author Sinead O'Hart. Together, we'll be taking you through some deep dives into the books that shaped us and interviewing other writers about their favourite and most influential stories. We hope you'll enjoy Story Shaped. Hello, Story Shapers. Welcome back to another exciting episode of your favorite podcast. We're here today with another stupendously story-shaped person, this time the Costa Award-winning Jasbinder Billen, author of four gorgeous, magical and heartfelt novels, Asha and the Spirit Bird, Tamarind and the Star Vishta, Artie and the Blue Gods, and her most recent, most recent, Xanthe and the, the Ruby Crown. She's also the author of beautiful nonfiction book, India, Incredible India, illustrated by Nina Chakrabarty. Jasbinder was born in a farm in the foothills of the Himalayas. Her mum told her she was born in the stables, much to the rest of her family's delight. When Jasbinder was one and a half, her family moved to Nottingham, England, where she grew up. Understandably, that was a big adjustment for them, and they kept India alive by telling funny stories of their life on the farm with the grumpy camel and the mischievous monkey. I'm interested to hear more about them. And these, these are the themes that thread through her books, home and belonging, the stories we tell about and for ourselves to root and blossom, and the importance of place and the natural world. Jasbinder's writing has a magic realist sentiment and style that acknowledges that magic is an integral part of the world and of our imaginations. So I can't wait to hear what stories Jasbinder grew up on, what stories made her heart sing, what stories influenced her beautiful writing. So well, welcome, Jasbinder. Thanks for joining myself and Sinead on Story Shaped. Hello. Oh, lovely. Thanks for inviting me. <laughs> welcome, Jasbinder. It's brilliant to have you. Yep. So I'm going to start with a question that we asked everybody, and that is, Jasbinder Billen, are you Story Shaped? Yes, absolutely. Um, right from, from the word go. Um, I grew up in a house that wasn't full of books but it was crammed full of stories mm. um, and and the stories really came from my grandmother who I was really really close to so I think from a really young age um, my grandma would tell me stories um, and and also I think um, because my family moved from India when I was still a baby um, we would have big dinners my mom would cook really incredible food and the whole family would come round um, because of course when when we lived in India we lived as a, a big extended family so um, on our farm um, in the farmhouse we had um, my grandma uh, my parents my uncles and aunts my cousins uh, my brother the animals um, you know so there were <laughs> there were lots and lots of us and I think it was um, I think it was quite a shock, you know, to kind of arrive. And then, although probably for about a year, we all lived together in a big house. Um, then slowly, we as families, we started to peel off. Um, but we always kept that magic of India alive um, every time 
my mum cooked food and, and the whole family would come round. And then we would have the stories of, of India and all the fun things that used to happen and all the um, all, all the exciting adventures that would happen on our farm. And they were um, they weren't kind of like big stories. They were really family stories. And and I so although my memories of India aren't really my own memories, I always felt um, like India was really big in my life, even though I grew up in a, a, a Midlands town in the middle of the city um, where the countryside couldn't really see the countryside um so I but I had this kind of sense of of being a country girl like all of that was was really kind of quite heavily rooted in my bones and then played out through the stories um and you know like with lots of families the stories were repeated over and over again uh so the story of of Omar Omar was a wild monkey who one day came from the mountains and she adopted our family and she was um she was quite a big monkey um when i spoke to my mom about her you know i sort of thought i always thought she was like a little monkey that would kind of run around but she was big she would come like as an adult she would probably like come to your waist or my waist you know so she was wow. quite big a very beautiful brown furred monkey and um one of the one of the funny stories that was told over and over was um how she would grab my brother or she probably did it once you know how these stories kind of <laughs> become <laughs> mythic <laughs> bigger and bigger um so she she sort of grabbed hold of him when he was a baby and she uh, ran from one side of the farmyard to the other and climbed up the neem tree and this tree was huge and she went to the very topmost branches where she knew nobody would be able to fetch her down and she stayed up there and until she was good and ready to come down with my with my brother who was a, a small baby at the time oh my <laughs> <God>. your poor brother <laughs> yeah yeah well I think he really bonded with her because, oh. yeah his, he sort of uh, loved her you know and we all love to hear this this story um so yeah so definitely you know my my house was just full of stories and I think that's where I got my love for storytelling but I think also the magic of of having a story told to you um and I and, you know I think that these days everybody's so busy um so to have a grandparent who doesn't have a job to go to and is just there for you is so um priceless you know so uh, my grandma was always kind of with us and uh, she was such fun a really really um interesting character and she used to tell lots and lots of stories and uh, a lot of um, stories, traditional Indian stories as well, uh, quite kind of moral ones, you know, a little bit like the Aesop's fables and a lot with animals in them. Um, so it was a very kind of culturally rich um, household and uh, a, a sort of a, a, a kind of like a rich uh, language um, you know so there's lots of kind of language going on and you know I don't think that you think about it at the time but now that I look back um, it would have been very sort of dynamic in that sense of, of use of language um, and also because my first language is Punjabi I would have learnt English as a second language um, and so I, I sort of have a sense of, of that, you know, having some words that I didn't know that I wanted to be able to um, 
know so I could talk about I remember one one day going to school and really I really wanted to talk about particular cartoons when I got to school and I didn't know what the word for cartoon was in English so I was kind of like you know racking my brains and like trying to think of it so I think that kind of fluidity of language is is quite a rich um, starting point for a storyteller. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just uh, absolutely. thinking about you as a small child trying to reach for this word that you don't know in English and I guess having to be as flexible, as you say, and trying to find creative ways of communicating. That's a that's an amazing start for a writer and that that richness of culture and story that you're getting, that you're living in more than one world. And I feel like that all your characters live in more more than one world at the same time. Um, how did it feel growing up in Nottingham and having that that access to this other world through story? It it sort of opened a window into the magical world for me because obviously that world wasn't um, physically present to me and I had to use my imagination. So um, and and a lot of the stories that my grandmother told had uh, gods and goddesses in them. They had um, animals that could speak um, so there was a and, and I think because children have a natural bond with animals as well I think that it it, it was a kind of a really um, it opened up a magical aspect um, and and this sort of sense of the fact that there was magic just kind of beyond well, not really beyond our reach but you know that magic was kind of there around mm -hmm. us and I really remember as a, a little girl um uh sort of magicking up uh, little people who could uh, who would appear on top of the wardrobe in my bedroom um and and I sort of you know I thought it was real and and until quite recently I thought that was real and that it really happened um it did no just under it did it did happen yes <laughs> it did happen um but but you know that kind of vivid sense of when we're young of of uh, what we can conjure up out of out of our stories and out of our imaginings um that was a, a really strong aspect wonderful that's i love that idea of of those little people of you like believing <laughs> that those little people were real yeah, I had people living in my wardrobe when I was a little girl and convinced that they were really there. Absolutely. You know? I remember reading I used... The Borrowers and just being yeah, like, oh, yeah, of course. Probably, oh, that's probably the Borrowers. Everything. Yeah. I just wanted to say um, I'm struck by when you were talking about your your brother, the story about your, your brother being, you know, monkey napped uh, in, in his infancy. <laughs> does he remember <laughs> yeah. that? Yes, he does. Do you remember? Oh, my he gosh. He does. Amazing. Well, probably, because... you know, he would have been too too young to remember it himself, I think. Right. He remembers but the he embellishment. He of Omar himself so I think right. would probably have remembered yeah it's amazing I just because it felt it feels when you're tell, telling that when you're recounting that you know your brother's your brother's your brother's story um it's like you know and and told through the amazing medium of your your grandmother who seems to be just such a such a, a rich storyteller you know in her own right like it just it feels like your your brother and his story was kind of woven into the, the larger mythology of 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 India you know almost you know it's like, it's like almost it's like a story that could belong in, a, in an ancient tale you know I, just, I love that I think it's beautiful what a way to make the stories alive you know to and, and to have it you, you're so lucky I suppose to have a grandmother who was so gifted she sounds like a, a lady who was really really gifted in in bringing stories alive and making them making them part of your life yeah I'm glad your brother came down from the tree though yeah. <laughs> and I think also you know when you live in a culture where 
you're not rushing everywhere. Right, um, yeah. I, I went back very recently, uh, about two weeks ago, and it really struck me that, um, you know, we, we, we went back to our family farm, which we still have, um, and stayed there. And it was amazing. It was beautiful. It's a really, really wonderful time of year to go. Um, and the bird song and everything, you know, it's so kind of um, welcoming and surrounds you. Sounds um, amazing. But the whole thing of, of not have not being rushed. So, you know, we spent our days visiting different relatives, having tea, um, and they would tell stories, you know, about anything and everything. Um, so there's always there's always a cup of tea, there's always a story, you know, and, and there's always time uh within a certain you know culture and it's probably you know probably a little bit like Ireland as well you know you can't you can never get away without having a cup of tea and a story <laughs> I know it's I was true. just gonna say absolutely what more, you, what more do you need in life than tea time and story that's just like yeah. the magic combination yeah, yeah <laughs> absolute yeah. perfection oh I love that Amazing. when did you when did you go back to India for the first time like did you go back when you were a child no, I didn't. So I think, um, you know, my parents were so busy trying to make their lives here. And and of course, you know, to take a whole family, there are six siblings, six siblings, six of us. So um, there was no way that that was ever going to happen. They're um, heroes, your parents. <laughs> well, I did have my grandma to kind of do all the child. Well, she so. sounds amazing, too. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. um, so no, I never, I never went back as a child. Um, my brothers went back with my mom, but you know, we we didn't go. And, and my parents went back. They went back by themselves at different times. Um, but the first time I went back was actually, um, it was it was um, when I was um, just in my late twenties. So it was a long, long time um, had passed between you know me sort of leaving and then going back. And it was it was really um, it had such an impression on me. Um, and when I went, I kept diaries and uh, I used those diaries to help me just to build the atmosphere of Asha because I wanted it to be a very authentic um, kind of setting. Um, so I kind of kept them for quite some time because, as, as we all know, you know, the, the journey to being a writer is never that quick. Well, certainly not in my case. No. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I was at that time I was teaching. So um, I'd sort of I'd always written, you know, but um, and it always had been a, an ambition, a childhood ambition of mine to be a writer, to be a children's writer. But of course, in those those days, in in the seventies, growing up, we never really had an author visit. Um, mm. I didn't realise, you know, when I went to the library that somebody had to sit down and write all of these stories. I thought they just magically appeared. Nobody ever really talked about the process of writing and how these books appear on the shelves. You know, they just, you know, they're just stories. They're there that you can borrow. Um, so yeah so it, it sort of um I kept my diaries for quite some time before I've you know I wrote my first book and then I used that experience and that um that visit that first visit to write those oh my god there's so much I want to ask you about yeah <laughs> it's like where am I gonna start okay I want to come back to like your ambitions to be a children's writer but before we leave India or that first experience of India how did it feel to go to a place that you'd heard about 
over and over and over again in story in stories yeah. and then to actually physically experience it was like did it did it map onto the stories that you told did it feel different it was it was a really really emotional and moving trip you know so to sort of see like you say you know the the reality of seeing a place that you've only heard about in stories is just kind of overwhelming really um and and also I went um my grandmother passed away she was um 93 I think think something like that and um so it was quite a it was a family trip that we took together um to go to visit the farm to plant a tree for her and um and so i felt i felt really connected actually you know to to have these stories and to think well this is where this happened this is where this happened this is where i was born <laughs> and everything and and then and and actually you know to see the beauty of it um was quite um quite overwhelming because you know my parents like particularly my dad you know who's very uh proud of his heritage and he would always uh you know talk to us about things like having uh freshly pressed um sugarcane juice um uh sort of uh yogurt lussy kind of like with ice all these things and they're really kind of like simple but very um what's the word you know sort of like really from the earth from the land mm. these mm. particular things and um I think kind of growing up we didn't really get it you know because when you're in a city everything kind of comes packaged you don't get that yeah. sense of you know the fact that you can you can, you know, go to the field, get the sugar cane, pre press it through the press and then drink it. And and um, actually, I, I don't know if I said, but I was kind of back a, a few weeks ago and we did that. And it's it's just so good. They kind of, uh, you can put ginger <laughs> through it and then a, a lemon through it as well. And it's not, it's just the whole thing is um, kind of cold pressed. So you get this drink that's, absolutely amazing so my um, next question is does your family farm in india does it take guests like can we book in <laughs> to go for a week there it sounds like heaven on earth well, um, <laughs> i think originally what, what the situation was in the village is that the village houses the hub of the village houses were all, are all together and then and then the farm part is a little way from the you know the hub of houses right um so where where my family kind of lived in the villagey part of it um but then where we go back to or you know what what's there now is the farm part so it's the mm -hmm. farmyard and the farmhouse and then the fields kind of around it mm -hmm. um and it sounds it was, magical <laughs> it, it was it was yeah. really magical really really magical and I think you know this time of year particularly it's just stopping cold and the sun was just incredible not too hot you know just sort of yeah really really beautiful actually must be like walking into a story in a, yeah in a yeah just the sounds just perfect I mean it's, it's funny you were, you were talking about going you know the, the stories in the library and stories on shelves and books seemed like you know things that just appeared there you know you didn't you know the way like like us all and like me and Susan have discussed before on the podcast and and with other guests you know we I think we all had that feeling that you know stories weren't maybe to be made by people like us because they you know they just put these things that magically appeared on shelves but you also had that wonderful and amazing rich oral you know storytelling culture from your from your family background and from your your grandmother um you know so I guess what I'm trying to say is 
did was that was that a way in for you to, for, for stories? I mean, did, did you like for me, you know, books on library shelves were stuff were, were things I used to love reading. I loved reading them, but I never felt as though I was able to make them because I wasn't, you know, famous. I wasn't rich. I wasn't English. I wasn't American or whatever, you know. But did you did you ever feel that your background in, in the oral stories that your grandmother told and that your culture had for you, were they your way into stories? Um, yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of felt I felt so connected to stories, I think, because of the reasons that I've um, just explained. Yeah. Um, and but I think that there was like a big jump, like you say, you know, sure. uh, because you didn't really know how these books appeared on the shelves. Nobody yeah, really yeah. explained that to you. Um, I, di I didn't like for a long time. I think even, you know, even as an adult, I didn't really know how how I could make my ambition of being a, a an mm. author come mm -hmm. true um so and I guess you know as a teacher I was still surrounded by stories I still wrote as a, a just as a thing you know that I had to do uh wrote poetry wrote short stories um but then to to make that thing happen you know is is hard work you mm. have to set yourself a target and, um, you know, I, I always say to children when I do my school visits, you know, what is your kind of dream? You know, what do you want to do? Um, quite often people don't ask you that, but I'm asking you um, because, you know, you keep this little kind of dream inside you, don't you? Um, and so my little dream was to be a children's author. And I always wrote stories, little stories with um, pictures to go with them. And there was a, a very lovely um, family friend who lived at the end of our street. Uh, she was called Auntie May and she was the most lovely, wonderful woman. And she would take my stories. So she'd I'd go and see her. She'd take my stories. She'd give me a, a cup of warm milk and a, a fresh uh, fairy bun. And then I'd kind of sit in her warm kitchen and she would read my stories and then kind of put them together and keep them all for me. So um, I had that little kind of um special moment you know where I thought oh yes you know this is this could happen um but it didn't happen for a long time because I think mm. if you if you do really want to do something you have to stop your every day and you have to decide you know that you're going to commit to it and so I stopped teaching for a year and uh did the uh MA in creative writing at Bath Spa and so that was like you know I'm doing something I'm not just talking about being mm. wanting to be a writer and I really I really kind of remember thinking about my uh 11 year old self and uh thinking well Jasminda you know you wanted to be a writer but you're not a writer and what are you going to do about it um and so this was me saying this is what I'm going to do about it <laughs> Um, and it's just hard, isn't it? Hard to kind of in our, um, you know, you're in a job, you're, you, you know, you've got the money coming in for the family, and and so it's very, very difficult to to kind of stop and commit to something yeah. um, that is is your kind of personal kind of dream and ambition. Your personal dream, yeah, yeah it's, it certainly is difficult. But I think sometimes, as you say, like you, you sort of need to. It's almost like you're giving, or you know, you're you're manifesting it I know that's the word people often use <laughs> maybe to you know over overuse but it's true like you're, you're giving yourself permission I suppose you're giving your giving your life permission to blossom you know in this way and giving yourself space to do it 
but it sounds to me, you know, you were talking about having the having the lovely warm fairy bun from your from your neighbor. It sounds like your life was like a recipe. If you're if you're if your author life is a, a beautiful fairy bun, you 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 had all the ingredients there right from the start to, to turn into this amazing story, you know, story shaped bun. Um, if that makes any sense, I'm mangling my images here, but you know what I mean. Like all, all you had you had this wonderful grandmother who told you these amazing stories. You had the beautiful backdrop and the rich lushness of of the, the you know the stories she told from your childhood and your from your culture, and then you had this amazing neighbor who who encouraged you i mean like not i mean some children who want to be writers and you know people who, who have this beautiful dream inside them too they don't have anybody to go to 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 read their stories and go yes that's really good you've done a great job and i'm going to keep them for you i'm going to i'm going to value your work you know that's mm-hmm. so important isn't it like i mean so what, a, what a wonderful thing for that neighbor to have done for you to give you that little moment with her whenever she went how often however often however often rather you went to see her where she would show you that your stories were important you know I mean that's really important too for you know as as an author who works with children in school do you find that's something that is that we should do like is that something that you like to do with with the author with children in schools show them that their stories are important yeah yes absolutely absolutely I think being a teacher you know that's mm-hmm. probably why I became a teacher because um it, you know, I love being a teacher, being with children, inspiring them, um, making them feel that they could do what they what they wanted to do, mm-hmm. um, inspiring them. So, yeah, a, a, a big kind of joy for me is to go to schools and and share share my journey, you know, sort of show them, you know, I was just like a little girl, just like them who had these dreams, who didn't think anything like that would happen um but you know if you keep kind of pushing forward and focus then those things can happen and and why shouldn't they happen to every single one of us you know it shouldn't depend Mm. on um how much money you have or or you know who your parents know or or what people imagine for you you know so um yeah that's a big part of how I like to connect with children that's amazing if you have that dream you have that dream for a reason and like I think children know from a very early age like what they what they should be and Mm. it's about like staying true to that like that desire that dream that tiny little seed of like oh I really want to be that but I don't know how and I don't know if it's for me but it if you have that it's for you yeah I'm really interested in the fact that you wanted to be a children's author from a very early age so was there were there books that you read that you were like I want to do this this is this is who I want to be Mm, well I think um once I started school stories were really really huge and and I think that we all remember the um sort of three o'clock or I think schools used to go on till four in my memory you know (laughs) they didn't shorten their day somehow but you know that very final thing that you would have would be the story at the end of the day oh your school was much nicer than my school yeah we didn't have that in (laughs) Ireland we were we were we were really maltreated by our teachers (laughs) in the 80s so yeah, well, I don't think we had story time in school. It was so yeah. su- such a thing, you know. Every every day, every day, we would have a story, um, and and that's where I was introduced to such wonderful authors like um, J.R. Tolkien. So we read The Hobbit. Um, lots. Um, my uh, one of my favourites, the Narnia Chronicles, and, and my absolute favourite was the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Um, and 
Yeah, so um, I, I I sort of really saw myself in, in this story because in my bedroom at home, I had a big wardrobe and I would regularly <laughs> go inside it and, and look for Narnia. Um, and, oh, you know, I, I, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's there. Yeah, you, know, it's like... you know that if you don't find it today, you know, you're definitely going to find it tomorrow. Um so yeah so I think I think um we had a really strong reading culture in my primary school and um you know it's before the national curriculum so they could just we we had an amazing amazing head teacher and uh he would bring his guitar into school and we would sing and then you know we could um, and this incredible deputy head so they were very very child uh child focused child centered and uh, we did a lot of art um so it was it was amazing and then we had these stories the story every single day we had a story um and and i remember starting secondary school and the huge huge disappointment on that first day and i was i was you know it's all really hard isn't it you've got your uniform mm -hmm. on you don't know many people and and i had this little burning flame inside me thinking the teacher's going to come soon she's going to come soon because it's nearly time it's nearly time to go home when is she coming for the story oh. and the, yeah you you've got it so like the story just doesn't come <laughs> and, and that's the oh. thing that's, that's such a that's like, so powerful sad. metaphor of like yeah. growing up isn't it the story, oh story just doesn't come yeah clearly that day just being sure you know surely we're going to get the story in a minute <laughs> and then yeah you just yeah. have to kind of adjust to not having a story told to you such a tough transition isn't it the primary to secondary yeah leap, I guess yeah. yeah and I think also that's kind of the age where parents if parents have a culture of reading to their children it's the sort of age they stop reading mm. as yeah, well that's true actually um, yeah so you kind of you don't get that that just that moment of just flopping on your desk and uh having having a story told to you which I think is such a shame it's a shame yeah yeah so it's a, probably it's a dangerous age we could lose some of our brilliant you know story story loving children who might want to have these dreams of writing stories or creating or being a creative person and maybe they might they might lose their spark if if they if this happens to them too they they, they suddenly the stories go from their lives oh that's really depressing well, let's move on to the next thing because I'm getting sad well, here I just want to go back I just want to go back to Narnia for a second because yeah I, sure I just um, I have that experience um so clearly of like looking at every wardrobe and trying to figure out the ways <laughs> the ways into Narnia yeah and yeah. I was I would tell myself I'd be like okay they only got in they only got through the wardrobe once every time they go there it's a different way so it's not going to be a wardrobe for me Okay. what way is it going to be I have I like I overthought this a lot and I also used to draw out the maps and so that if I ever happened to get into Narnia I'd have the map yes <laughs> oh I love that I love that but Narnia yeah. was Narnia was such a huge influence on me as well it just it confirmed something I think that I already thought that there was more there was like there was this other magical world and I just needed to figure out the right way to get into it Yes, I know. And there's so much magic in there, isn't there? There's a sort of, and I think what I love about it is that it's so ordinary, you know, their life is so ordinary on the other side of the wardrobe. Uh, and then it becomes completely extraordinary, you know, and they're kings and queens and, um, you know, there's snow and there's the, the, the um, 
the Queen. Um, can't remember what she was. White, White. 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 What's her actual name? Is it Jade? Is that Jadis? Jadis. It is Jadis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's an amazing character. Yeah. There's actually an excellent book called From Wardrobe to Spare Oom, and it's a it's a I think she's an academic. It's her memoir of reading the Narnia books, oh, right. and she goes back and rereads them for this memoir and and so it's like partially kind of academic it's not too academic but like academics look at the books woven in with her own memories of reading the books as a child and what they meant to her and it's um I think is it Catherine Langrish I will I'll I think it might it be I think it rings a bell for me as well yeah very good and, put it in the show notes. And, and it's just lovely to revisit those stories as well and I guess because Narnia is so like it's like our ordinary world and then there's another magical world, but it's separate from our world and you've got to find the right way in. Whereas your books, the magic and and the ordinary world are not separate. Mm. I, I love that. And it like that reminds me of kind of the way in which the other world works in Celtic mythology, that it's not this other place. It's like it's very porous. Um, yeah. Where does that come from? I don't know really um I think you know when I start to write something I begin with setting and and I think it's just all of that all of that kind of belief of of magic that's inside me and I just go to that place and I and I kind of ask myself you know who's there what's there what's the story and of course you're going to get these um ways in to to these um kind of magical happenings um, you know, a little bit like when Tamarind goes to her ancestral home in the Himalaya, and it's just completely ripe for for anything to happen. And then seeing seeing um, the kind of ghost of her mom in the garden, and just that that kind of um, I suppose it's also to do with um, uh, my sort of uh, grandmother's belief, my mom's belief of of how these things exist. You know that that they're all around us. That you know that if we kind of it's what we choose to believe um so that's what I like to do with my stories that you know that it's all there and it's it's what you choose to believe or you know is this this thing or is this that thing um so yeah a little bit like that it, it it's the way I view the world so whenever I read your books I'm like ah oh, yes this is I just feel kind of like ah oh, yes this is this is the, the world that I exist in yeah yeah a world where there are gods yes it's a really rich world and I think it's full of possibility and I think it also makes you feel less alone you know that yeah and and for your characters it it is it is that it is this 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 and I don't really want to call it magical because it's not something separate it's just what you're I like the way you put that what you're choosing to believe what you're choosing to see what you're choosing to experience and it shores up a sense of self mm, mm, yeah yeah I think it's just a way of looking at things that that is is like that it's embodied in all of all of those things and it's a little bit like my um my book Artie and the Blue Gods um you know Artie's on this island she's isolated but then 
she's so protected as well you know the fact that that sense of um that idea of hindu mythology where the island is um is a god itself you know nature gods are our nature you know that it's all it's all really integral to everything um so so she she's she's part of it you know we're part of it um and it is it is magical um and and you know i think there is that real sense in india of things existing or not just in india but in in ancient um cultures i guess um and i think also there was much more connectivity in ways that we don't understand but also in ways that we're not encouraged to think um so i think you know there's there's so much and that's what i wanted to um show in arty and the blue gods that you know the idea of the druids walking thousands of miles to tibet exchanging ideas with the brahmins and um there's scholarly work that shows that mm. um that they're the same you know the druids and the brahmins were the same because they're like the structures are similar you know the sort of the jobs you know the hierarchy of the jobs and 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 that sort of thing um and yeah i just i just found that surprising and really really powerful and it's like you know there's like some some something exists that kind of draws a veil over it you know because mm. actually maybe it's too powerful for us to think that you know we are all one you know we are all kind of connected I loved I loved that in yeah. RT and the Blue Gods that like the ways that you showed the kind of the interconnectedness between like Hindu mythology and like Scottish Celtic mythology it was, yeah. it was so powerful I remember like when I read it I was like oh, someone mm. is doing this um no it was, it's it's such a beautiful story yeah so I, I must admit I really 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 enjoyed writing that one you can tell <laughs> <laughs> there's something special about stories that weave different mytholo- mythological uh, I suppose traditions together isn't it like it just shows for all their differences you know there are so many similarities as well you know uh, I love that I love when we can connect with other with other people you know from different backgrounds to ourselves through a shared sense of of the myth the mythic it's it's a beautiful thing so and also what i love about it is it shows that people always traveled and always yeah, yeah moved yeah. about and connected with other cultures that that's not just a recent thing because yes, i think definitely. sometimes people forget that yes yes well i think i think it's just that that human need isn't there that human need to search um that sense of curiosity you know we we'd never have stayed in one place you know we've always moved um and and yeah i mean you know um i guess well maybe we we stopped traveling and journeying at, at a certain point you know so you know we're kind of made to be more static mm. and not, not move mm. about but yeah i think you know sort of i think that's what human beings want to do and that's when we we're happiest when we're connecting with other people and and just kind of feasting together and um i did a i did um i'm i did a project for the museum of london which i absolutely loved doing um and it's going to be part of the new exhibition so i've written the text for um the prehistory um part of it um, yeah and 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 it was that whole thing of of 
looking at things in a different way um, that just blew my mind, you know. <laughs> speaking our language here yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds fantastic and when when is that open or you know when it, when 2025 it so they're, they're doing wow. um, they're going to move to the meat market in smithfield from there because they were um in um um oh what I completely forgot about the name. Um, they were in Barbican. They were in Barbican in right. the built um, museum that was built for them, and they're moving to the uh, to Smithfield. Um, so, which is an incredible project. I went. Mm. I went uh, on a visit. So the the vaults underneath, oh. and it's all going to be so amazing. So it opens in twenty twenty five. Can't wait for that. So exciting. <laughs> so when you made this decision to leave teaching and give time to like do the MA um, in creative writing were there were there books that influenced that decision or books that you were thinking about when you were when you were like making that commitment to right, I'm going to try and be a writer I'm going to do this thing I think as a I was an English teacher so I was always surrounded by um, stories that I loved and I would kind of choose stories that I love to share with the children um so I, th I think I think the push was to so the push was really to create something that was inspired by that uh one of the other things that I absolutely loved as a little girl were the Greek myths and I there was a particular book that I used to borrow which you may um I talked about this with somebody else and it was her favorite book as well to to borrow from the library so it's like a big hardback blue book with a a picture of Pegasus white kind of Pegasus on the front kind of flying in you know, through <laughs> the air and so we both kind of we're both from Nottingham so we both kind of probably borrowed the same book the same book probably yeah <laughs> <laughs> we probably weren't uh, going to the same library, but um, All right. yeah, so um, I, I think, yeah, so I think the kinds of things that I shared with my students were um, myths and mythology, um, I, I uh, Gawain and the Green Knight, you oh, know, love stories, yeah. um, so I think they were kind of like the first sort of inspiration, that sort of writing, um, shared writing, kind of songs, I guess um and then um uh i i remember you know some of the more kind of political um stories like Be beverly naidu um jones joburg those those sort of stories where children are really um empowered you know something dreadful's happened and obviously you know the sort of history of south africa um so i was really inspired by that sort of thing so i th i think you know in, in my books um like there is in lots of children's books there is you're grabbing a sense of injustice you know mm -hmm. something's happening and these children have to they don't have a choice you know they, they have to take charge and they have to uh sort this out you know and that's kind of part of the story of the of the book so um yeah so definitely that sort of story and those sorts of books um inspired my uh sort of wish to create something for children like that and and also I think um when I was growing up I I didn't see anybody like myself in mm. stories yeah and I you know I didn't let that stop me I kind of you know I thought well Narnia is for me as much as it is for anybody um you know so it wasn't a barrier but I think it it's been a real pleasure 
um, to create stories that can be a mirror for lots of children um, and also a window for all children. So, um, yeah, particularly kind of creating characters uh, like Asha, Tamarind, Artie and Xanthi, you know, I, th I think um, I feel feel really honoured to, to be able to do that. And I guess that leads on to a question that we often ask as well, which is, what do you hope that readers will take from your books when they read them? Not that you're kind of consciously doing that when you're writing them, but what what's the hope that that you have for your readers when they're engaging with your books and your yeah, stories? I, I think I think kind of firstly, I think I just want them to be fully immersed in this world of story um that magical cloak you know that just comes around you we all get it don't we particularly with children's stories you know where there's that moment where you just it's like you're drifting into a dream you know you're in in that world and it's like nothing else is going to stop you from kind of just experiencing experiencing it fully like with all your senses um so I think I think that first and foremost you know I kind of love creating a setting that feels like a kind of like a wonderland you know that this is where you're going to go this is where you're going to be for that for this length of time you know you can just forget everything else um and that's that was one of the powerful things for me growing up you know when I picked up a book I could be anywhere um, and and I think that's so important for so many children, um, that sense of equality, really, you know, that it doesn't matter that your parents can't afford to, you know, go anywhere that might be like this, you know, they can't take you or, you know, you can't take yourself or you can absolutely take yourself. Um, so, yeah, so that 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 for me is kind of first and foremost one of the things that I want to do with my stories and I hope I do so I absolutely. want I can confirm absolutely. that you do you absolutely do yes <laughs> I, want, I want people to feel immersed in story in this land in this world um and then secondly you know I want them to feel that they can become the character and they can you know through um I often kind of find myself you know as an adult in everyday life when I think I can't go up that hill. I can't get up that hill. And I, then I think, well, Asha got up that hill. You know, characters <laughs> kind of inspire children, I think, you know, that they can, in their everyday lives, you know, they can be a little bit braver. Um, they can do these things. They can push themselves. And um, and I think it really works, you know. I think I think that children can be influenced in that way. And I think that's a real, real honour to, to kind of feel that you're giving them something that can help them in their everyday life, you know, kind of like a story map um, that can show them a way forward. Because so, so many children, um, obviously being a teacher, you see it, so many children don't live in ideal, ideal worlds, you know, live in really tough worlds. Um, and so to have something that can reach out to them and can show them, you know, that it's not always going to be like this, you know, that that keep going, you know, that there, there is kind of hope for them. And I think we you know there's so much, so much um, going on for our young people. Um, and I think that more than ever, I think they need stories and um, books. 
Mm -hmm. Definitely. Just to yeah. a whole range of them. Yeah, one of the things I love about Santa and the Ruby Crown is like it's in a city and it's like apartments and tower block and concrete, but there is like this beautiful roof garden and there's this cat, this mysterious cat, and there's that lovely peregrine falcon. And then there's this there's stuff buried underneath. There's story and memory and magic, even in say the most unlikely of settings. Yeah, yeah. I it it was um obviously it's sort of set in Nottingham where I grew up, and that that landscape is the landscape of my childhood. Um, and you know, we always, even though it was a kind of a concrete um environment, uh, there are patches of green, I think that you know, wherever you are, there can be a little bit of nature there. And and especially with birds, I mean, peregrine falcons like to uh, nest in tower blocks, actually. Um, oh, do they? Yeah. I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah. Quite often, you know, if you look out for them, they're, they're there. Um, and, and so, you know, I was a girl who was, even though I lived in the city, I was always kind of looking for these um opportunities you know to kind of connect with nature and it might just be like a little stream or um a, a, a sort of like a, a grassy park you know that where little wildflowers are growing or something like that um so yeah it, it, i sort of loved creating Xanthi actually and and bringing that magic in because it was the magic that i felt that even though I was not necessarily in a magical place, you know, I was in the city um, with quite hard edges and surfaces, you know, that just underneath. And I kind of really like that that little moment where Xanthi's um, talking about the tower block and what could have been there before and the way we build over rivers, you know, we build over mm -hmm. streets and and all the all you know she's imagining all the kind of artifacts that are, are just kind of like buried you know like everywhere and we know that because uh you know um Richard the <laughs> third under, under the car park yeah. a car park for goodness yeah. sake just yeah, yeah. down the road <laughs> oh my goodness yeah that's such a gift to give children it really is yeah and it's just to, to remind them that no matter where they are even if it's the most built up city city center, like that there's magic everywhere they look if they if they take the time or if they if they have the time to to look for it, you know, that it's there, you know, and it's there for everybody. I love that. I love that sense that, you know, you're creating you're creating stories that give every child um access to the magic and the beauty uh that that is there. Um, you know, I, I love that. I'm I'm all about that too. This this, you know, the 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 equal access. Everybody deserves the same access to and the ability to find themselves and to lose themselves in in the best stories. I mean, it's just amazing. It's an amazing thing to be part of. You know, as an author myself, I I take it. It's, it's a huge privilege, um, and I take it very seriously. And uh, I'm just delighted to be here. <laughs> you know, talking to people who are like similar to me. You know, that we we all we're all we all think similarly. I think, and it's it's fantastic to 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 share that with every with other people. Um, but definitely, your books are are certainly they immersive is the word I would have used actually. But they certainly they're it's just like it's like just immersing yourself into this whole uh world of magical beautiful story so you've definitely achieved you've definitely achieved the, the dreams you wanted to achieve oh. uh, Jasmine they're amazing <laughs> and um, thank you thank you for them <laughs> thank you what's coming next can you talk about yeah. it um 
Well, I can't really say anything about Ooh, it. Ooh, mysterious. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm. I'm. Um, I'm just about to dive into edits for book five, um, but uh, well, I, I. I don't think I. I don't think I'm allowed. No, to don't get in trouble. We don't want anyone to get in trouble with their editor. <laughs> um, I think what 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 I probably can say is that it's um, it's a a little. Um, what would I say? Not diversion, but it's it's quite different. Mm. A bit of, um, interesting. <laughs> Very interesting. Those are, those are the challenging ones, aren't they? When you take it, when you take a an artistic decision to go in a new direction, or you you, you change the way you normally do things. Yeah, uh, yeah they, they can really help. They can really stretch you, but they can they can make for a really good book. So, I'm I'm excited. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Brilliant. Um. And if you, have you read anything good recently? Uh, we all, we kind of sometimes ask people what's shaping them right now. Have you anything that you might recommend or anything that you've picked up recently that was good? Yeah, so um, probably my kind of latest lovely read. Uh, well, t- I, if I can sort of say two, really. Of course, you can say as many as you like. As many as you want. <laughs> um, so I um, I very recently read Candy Gourlay's Wild Soul. Wild Soul. Um, wow. Yeah. I think it's out. It's oh yes, it's just come out. I think it's just published, um, yeah. Yeah, just published. And uh it's it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Really, really love this. Um it's historical and it's also uh kind of delving into um the whole colonial um sort of debate with the with with the um setting for it, um set in the Philippines. And it's a story about um, uh, uh, it's um, just sorry. It's in the name of the little girl, Luki. Sorry, like <laughs> yeah. So um, it it's um, I'll just kind of read read the back blurb for you. So it um, following the U.S. invasion of the Philippines in 1898, Luki and her friends are taken from Bontoc and put on display in the 1904 World's Fair in the United oh States. Wow. So, yeah. so it's really, I absolutely loved it. And Candy Gourlay's writing is superb. And so um, it's one of these stories where you it's very close to character. So you're really following Lukey's journey from um, the sort of wilderness where they live. Um, and, and, you know, she's got, so, she's so sort of... Um, characterful and she's got this real desire you know of uh of a young girl that curiosity that we were talking about curiosity mm-hmm. kind of want to travel and um but but just the um the way the whole thing is done you know that they're not told all the truth but they go on this huge kind of journey all the way to the um to the US and then they you know and they become part of the world show the world um world's fair where lots of indigenous people were brought um you know so it's all kind of based on fact um but the actual story is is wonderful and really important story so well told Um, sounds amazing i was only only reading about um otabenga the other day another i think another man who was taken from his home and and exhibited at that same world's fair absolutely horrific i was you know so important though it's important for people to know because like at this stage it's it's quite a long time ago but it's so relevant to the world we still live in and i think it's so it's so vital to give to give that 
side of history it's it's just gosh what an important book I'm really glad yeah. you recommended that one yes thank and you I've, and I think that um you know I, th I think it's wonderful that um, more and more you know this this sort of story is surfacing and yeah. the sort of story is getting the um publicity that it mm. really kind of deserves because as you say yeah. you know th this is kind of all our history mm -hmm. you know yes Bad things have happened and I think we need to understand that we need to yes. understand what's happened so we can kind of repair move forward and um uh, but knowing these things you know rather than not talking about it and yeah bring it up um so i think there's you know it's going to, it's going to be a really powerful book um hope i hope lots of schools use it um as their set text i think children are going to really really love it um so yeah that, that's one that i'm reading great i really enjoyed um kind of linked to that is this one as well which is stolen history so it's a non-fiction stolen history by satnam sangera oh, who's a, a, oh yeah. a writer and um it's just a it's a stolen history the truth about the british empire and how it shaped us and and i think kind of particularly for myself being a first generation um person you know from India my parents kind of made that move um you know they're also like busy getting on with their lives you know we didn't really learn about um the British Empire at school um and so I think it's this is um it it, it has kind of illustrations oh fantastic it explains lots of things you know the sort of the connections uh word connections and things like that but you know it doesn't shy away from explaining why certain things are as the, as they are um and i think you know we always kind of like you know we get us get a sense of the injustice but you know if you visit the vna the british museum you have all of these artifacts and it kind of tells tells a story and but not all the story mm -hmm. yeah plays the artifact kind of expecting I don't know you know there's there's a sort of um a little bit of a dishonesty I yeah. think in 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 that in in the telling um and and also it's about you know we're talking about stories and 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 all of that and it's about who gets to tell their story exactly um, yeah in history, isn't it and um you know who who's kind of who's listened to um yeah. Uh, yeah, and I think kind of particularly, you know, with sort of the history of India, um, you know, things like partition. So, so in um, in the kind of family history of of the um, of the people, and you know, I remember my grandma. You know, we sort of live. Uh, our farm is very much kind of by the border. You know, it's very very close to the uh, border of Pakistan, and um, that my grand my grandmother just could never talk about it because mm. it's it's so so um distressing you know i think i think about three million people died and it just you know it's it's it, it's just Dreadful. devastating mm. devastating but but covered over so mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, think, I think these things need to be spoken about and they do they do know. yeah so people can yeah. move forward and you know so yeah 
yeah. I think too many stories have been have been lost or suppressed mm-hmm. you know and there's mm-hmm. never any never any peace or healing if, if that happens or if that continues to happen so yeah yeah 100 yeah. those are those are really vital books thanks those are two excellent recommendations yeah, yeah. um I'll just give a couple more sorry I'm really getting into it now. Um, <laughs> that's what happens <laughs> yeah this is what, well it's a good thing I've got them here but this is a real favorite Chris Fix The Last Whale uh, and again have you read it no but it's on my to be read pile yeah 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 I love his work um just a sort of a, a you know a really um unusual story kind of going into the future um with uh, around AI um, and and that sort of thing, um, mm. very kind of real. Obviously, we're facing these things. Our our young people are facing these things, and we have to give them a way forward. Um, so yeah, this was this was kind of a book that sort of inspired. I have a book um, coming out with Barrington Stoke in July called Calling the Whales, um, and and so this this book of Chris's, The Last Whale kind of inspired that brilliant and one 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 more which um I absolutely adore this is um I managed to get hold of this oh, uh, brilliant you know this one uh, so Gawain in the so, Green Light yeah. and, uh, Simon Armitage translation and it's got the most wonderful illustrations by Clive Hicks Jenkins um it's just beautiful beautiful book we I, both... love, I love I love um I love I'll just kind of show one of the oh gorgeous illustrations beautiful illustrations oh my gosh what a beautiful what a great addition of that to have both myself and Sinead studied that in university at the same time oh did you (laughs) yeah Yeah. yes I think he's got other ones in this series so I'd kind of like to like to kind of treat myself you know I have these books that I've I've or have on my list that I kind of want um because I think I you know one of the things I loved as a little girl was um picture books you know Mm. that you could kind of just look at the pictures um and that's what the greek myths book was like it had the most incredible illustrations illustrations yeah 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 no it's just gorgeous um yeah so i love love that oh they're brilliant recommendations (laughs) a bit of a range (laughs) that's what we love (laughs) (laughs) absolutely oh jasminder this was it was so wonderful chatting to you about books and writing and stories and magic. I could chat to you forever. I think Sinead, <laughs> sure Sinead feels the same. Absolutely. I love it. All so, things I love in, in, on earth, <laughs> talking about all this stuff. But thank you so much. Sinead, you do your lovely outro. Well, usually it falls to me to do this, but uh, just to say... Um, Desbinder, thank you so much for for giving us your time today. Um, you know, it's been a privilege really just to listen to you talk. And your your grandmother, she sounds like an amazing woman. And shout um, out to so Auntie glad. May. As and well. Auntie May. Auntie <laughs> May, yes. Amazing. Well, I'm so I'm so glad you had such a nurturing, a nurturing beginning to your your story-shaped life. Um, and that you were given the the space to grow and develop, and that you were shown that your stories were important right from the start. I mean, that's what, a, what an amazing thing to be able to to be able to look back on um and it's no wonder that you you were shaped into such a wonderful storyteller because uh you had all the ingredients were there right from the start um but it's been such a joy to get to know you a bit better and to have had a wonderful trip through <laughs> through your your memory lane i suppose um and thank you so much for inviting us in and for allowing us to do that um it's been a joy to talk to you um and i i personally love your stories and i can't wait for your new ones 
Um, so thanks for giving us a hint as to what's to come from you um, and for especially for your, your wonderful recommendations for the stories that you've been shaped, have been shaped by recently. Um, they, they were amazing. Um, but just falls to me to say thank you so much. Um, it's been a joy. Uh, thank you. Thanks so much. It was been no a pleasure chatting to you both. Thank you very much. Um, but until next time then, Story Shaped fans, we shall leave you be. Um, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as Susan and I have. It was a real joy. Um, and if you have, please do rem remember to like and rate and review us and share the episode with everybody you know. Um, friends, enemies alike, whoever you want to share it with, please do. Um, and we'll be back again very soon with another another wonderful guest. But for today, um, it is farewell from me, Sinead O'Hart. And it is farewell from... Bye-bye from me, Susan Cahill. <laughs> And farewell from our wonderful guest, uh, Jess Binger. Billen, it was wonderful to have you here today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye-bye, <laughs> everybody. You've been listening to Story Shaped with Susan Cahill and Sinead O'Hart. Follow us on Twitter at Story Shaped Pod. And don't forget to subscribe on the streaming service of your choice so that you never miss an episode. Music by Tony Betts. Mm -hmm.